0: Hello ladies, it's so wonderful to be with you today. I am learning so much from our study in Romans and I hope that you are too. I so enjoy how our author continually points us back to God and his attributes, so that we can be firm in who we know that we are going to for our salvation, who provides the power and the peace and who we are to praise. His gloriousness leads us to our knees in awe and reverence and love. And today, as we look over the first three chapters in Romans together, I'm hoping to just see how interwoven God's power, praise and peace are in here in these three chapters that we've been going over. I just want to take 30 seconds to start with the gospel. And I want you to write down right now, what is the gospel? What is, yes, it is the good news, but good news about what? Go ahead, write it down. We went over it in the first week, and we, it permeates everything here in these first three chapters of Romans. I'll give you a second. The reason I want to start here with the gospel is because we want to be able to say it in a nutshell and to expound. Sometimes we use words that we don't have the meaning for or we're not quite sure about. And we want to get our roots down deep, ladies, into the gospel, into Jesus Christ. I have a couple of quotes here that are helpful, I think, from John Piper. The first says this, The gospel is the news that Jesus Christ, the righteous one, died for our sins and rose again eternally triumphant over all his enemies, so that there is now no condemnation for those who believe, but only everlasting joy. As we talk about the gospel, we want to be sure that we know that it's about Jesus Christ, right? Who is told, prophesied from the beginning, who came, the righteous, perfect, Christ who came and died for our sins and rose again we don't want to forget that part because that is the part that gives us hope that is the part where God declared victory over sin and death his second quote that I have here for you the gospel is the good news of our final and full enjoyment of the glory of God in the face of Christ That this enjoyment had to be purchased for sinners at the cost of Christ's life make his glory shine all more brightly. And that this enjoyment is a free and unmerited gift makes it shine more brightly still. But the price Jesus paid for the gift and the unmerited freedom of the gift are not the gift. The gift is Christ himself as the glorious image of God, seen and savored. With everlasting joy. I I so love the way he puts this because it is filled with the glory of God, his power in Jesus Christ, and joy. Ladies, the gospel, the good news, should bring joy to our souls and our lives and our hearts. Jesus himself tells us. In John 17, 3 through 5. So this is Jesus talking. And this is at the end, right before he was going to go to the cross. And he was speaking to his disciples. And he's telling them many things. And he lifts up his hands to heaven. And he's praying to God, his Father. And he is saying, and this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, Jesus speaking here, I glorified you on earth by accomplishing the work which you have given me to do. And now you, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory I had with you before the world existed. Jesus is encompassing it all, his deity, his sacrifice by completing the work that he had done. And that now he can bring sinners back in relationship with God. He completed the work for our eternal life and glory with him. The power of God unto salvation. The power of God unto salvation. That's what he's bringing. That's what he's bringing, ladies. And as we looked in Romans um, 1, 18 to 32, didn't we see an encompassing list and progression toward sin and depravity that separates us from God? How many times does Paul call out the condition of the heart? There is no way we can save himself. He goes over again and again. In Romans 3, 23, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. And as we contemplate in Romans 1, 18 to 32, which I hope you're following along with me in your Bible yourself. We're going to be going through a lot of verses in Romans, and I'd like you to be looking at those in your Bible and some other ones I'll be putting on the screen. But some of these, I just want you to Just take in in your own Bible so that you can highlight. And as we're looking at that list of sin that separate us from God, ladies, there's no wiggle room in that. We want to look for the wiggle room. Please, Lord, as you're talking about what we should have seen, your invisible attributes, your eternal power, your divine nature. But though they knew God, they did not honor you as God. They became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts were darkened. How then they were so much impurity. Ladies, the chasm just gets wider and wider. And in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is nothing we can do. God is righteous. God is holy. And here is what we must know. Our holy God is not going to lower his holiness so that we can feel better about ourselves. Our righteous Lord is not going to Bring down or lessen his righteousness so that we can feel like we're meeting up to it, that we're sh- getting closer. This would not be a holy or a righteous God. He remains holy and righteous and we remain separated from him. He wants us to clearly see who he is, and who we are, and who we are not. That is the starting point. And when we try and pull him down, that's when things start to go terribly wrong, friends. The futility of our thinking, the darkness of our minds. So what shall we do? We repent. We guard our hearts and our minds and as we live in the truth and holiness of the righteous God and we praise him for all he has done, we love him. We are in awe of his power and all that it encompasses. Which brings us to praise and then we rest in his peace. The power of God. Ladies, in Romans 1.16, I know you have it right there in your Bible. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. God's power. Power of God for salvation. The power of God raised Jesus from the dead, right? In Romans 1.4, as you flip back there and see it, Who was declared the son of God, he's talking about Jesus, with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. God's power brought life where there was death. I know that we've covered that, but ladies here, I want us to sit in that for a minute. Because sometimes as we go over the gospel or even as we read through and maybe we do the study and we go over it again, sometimes we lose the significance of the fact that God brings life to something that is dead. As we've seen We are dead in our sin and trespasses. Who else could bring life but God? Think about it for a minute. Meditate on it. Sit in that truth often. Let it permeate and sink in and infiltrate all of our heart and our soul and our mind. Why? Because that same power is in you. That same power is in me. As we believe the good news and we receive the good news, the power of God brings light to our dead soul. Oh, ladies, I pray that we would cover ourselves in that truth every day, every hour. the power of God is in you. In the Old Testament, the people were pointed to the exodus to remind them of the power of God, how they would go back to God and God alone, as they saw how he alone brought the plagues, he brought his deliverance for salvation through the sacrificial lamb that they covered their doorways with the blood of a lamb. And then, How the mighty power of God led them out of slavery into freedom and new life. They were told to remember and to look back to that, to see the power of God for salvation. It is only through Him. And they were reminded of that over and over in the New Testament we're reminded and pointed to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God's power over sin and death, and his provision for salvation in Christ. As we saw in Romans 3.26, that God is the just and the justifier. Both. It is only God. He is the one. He is the one by his power, Ladies, I want us to think about that power just for a moment as we head over to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 to 23. Now listen closely. This is Paul praying for the Ephesian church here. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Enlightened to what? What does he want them to know? So that you will know what is the hope of his calling, the gospel, the hope of his calling, that we would be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ and that by the power of Christ's resurrection, we have eternal life in him, the hope of his calling. He wants them to know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, And what is the boundless greatness of his power toward us who believe? The power, the saving hand of God toward us to believe. And all that comes with that. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and made him, Christ, the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all, the fullness of Christ who fills us. And how does he end his letter there? He's saying, he tells his Ephesian church and to us, hear the words, ladies. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power That works within us, the spirit of God that works within us. That is how he is working to bring about what he can do far more abundantly beyond what we can ask or think. That power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Ladies, as we look toward those truths about God's power, it just leads us right into praise. As we studied in Romans and we saw over and over in Romans 2 4, the question that was asked. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and restraint and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Do we think lightly of the riches of his kindness, of the riches of his restraint, of the riches of his patience? Do we forget that his kindness leads us to repentance as he showers us with his great love. Here, ladies, in Psalm 9 1 and 2, it just speaks of the praise for God. Now, no that there are so many psalms that we could have gone to or so many places of praise. This is just one that I chose, but I wanted to share it with you. It says in Psalm 9, 1 and 2, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of your wonders. I will rejoice to be jubilant in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Ladies, As we even read in Romans, the heavens, the earth, creation speaks of the glory of God. Do we? Do you? Do I? Do I give thanks to the Lord with all my heart? Do I tell of all his wonders? And do I rejoice and am I jubilant in him? Do I sing praise to his name, O Most High? As I read through Romans, and yes, the great disparity from our holy God, from us, and then the grace that he offers us, the gospel, how will I not praise his holy name? In Luke nineteen, thirty-six to forty, Jesus is um, going into Jerusalem. And this is where this is where we see at Easter. Like where he is he is brought in and they get the, the colt and they put a, a blanket on it, and then Jesus rides into Jerusalem. And as soon as he was approaching, the whole crowd of the disciples, so there were more than just his 12, they began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd, those finger pointers in the crowd, rebuke your disciples they said but Jesus answered I tell you if these become silent the stones will cry out it reminded me of um, one of my children their professor told them that he carries a rock in his pocket and when he gets discouraged of this world when he wonders is there any good anywhere Where are you, Lord? He pulls it out, and he listens to it. And if he doesn't hear anything, he reminds himself, somewhere, someone is praising God. That if all this praise stop, the stones would cry out. Ladies, I wanna be part of the praise. I wanna be part of the praise. I wanna encourage you that if someone somewhere is praising God, let it be us. Speak to God about how wonderful he is to him, to yourself, to others and fellow believers. Remember in Romans 1, 11 and 12, how Paul was saying that he wanted to impart a spiritual gift to strengthen and mutually encourage each other's faith. Ladies, let's do that. We need to do that for each other. We need to learn from each other and remember to praise God together, to tell each other of how he is working, to tell each other of how his power is being seen in our lives. How encouraging is that? How building up we are to be. And out of God's great love and power, we love and serve him back. And sometimes we ask or we may think, what, what am I to do? What am I to do? Because wasn't Paul addressing here in Romans? Wasn't he talking so much about the divide right between the Jews and the Gentiles, and how he that together under Christ we are one body. We are to be united under Jesus Christ. Here are just four quick examples of places in Scripture. That would be something for all believers to be united in doing. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40. These are commonalities for all believers. Think of it with me as we read God's word. And Jesus answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. We who follow Christ. All of us to do this. He, Jesus again speaks in John 13, 34, and 35. He says, I am giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He is speaking to his disciples. He is telling his disciples that the world will know that you follow me, that you serve me. That I am your king if you love each other. We are all called to love each other, friends, because of Jesus Christ. The commonality that we have in Micah 6.8, he has told you, mortal one, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. It can be to love mercy. Here is what we are all collectively, mortal one, to do justice to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 13 to 18, this is a great place for us all to be under this umbrella together, live in peace with one another. We urge you brothers and sisters, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek what is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? This is the will of God for you. All four of them together. I just want to to show us, ladies, that we need to start with the commonalities for all believers. These are just four. There are more. But I just wanted to give us a, a picture here. Because we start out with this commonality of how we should be loving each other in the church, our brothers and sisters in Christ. That is how the world knows that we are his That is how the world sees and either believes or doesn't about Christ. Oh, friends, as we unite under this umbrella of Christ and his love for each other, then we move out and serve in his kingdom, in different areas of his kingdom, but united and unified in Christ and our love for each other because of him. These four verses, they build on each other. They intertwine. If you're not sure where to start, pick one. I'm sure that you are walking in many of these ways that you are trying to incorporate how to love the Lord this way. Keep at it, ladies, keep at it. And as we do that, as we stand firm in the gospel, and we remember and think about the power of God for us, for salvation, and that is in us, and we move to praise him for everything it takes us to peace. Through Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. We have peace in Christ. He is our refuge and our rest. We see in Romans three sixteen to 18. Do you remember how we read that? And it was talking about their destruction paths that they are on. You can turn to it there. And it says that they have not known the way of peace and there is no fear of God before their eyes. Wow. They don't even know where to go for peace, but we do. We know who is our peace. Jesus Christ is our peace. We see in Romans 5.1, That therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians tells us, Ephesians 2, 13 to 14, but now in Christ Jesus, who you previously were far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Talking again about the Jews and the Gentiles, how that's how, and that relates right here back to Romans as well. But do you hear the words that we were afar away, but because of Christ, we're brought near to God. For he himself is our peace, Jesus is our peace. What a beautiful truth to rest in. A beautiful truth to rest in. And here is Christ in John 16, 33. As he is talking to his disciples, again, before he goes to the cross, he's telling them a lot of things. And you can read the verses prior, but this is where we want to look. These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage, for I have overcome the world. He spoke that in him we may have peace. He is our peace when we are wrapped up in him, ladies. And again, he speaks to his disciples as he's telling them about the vine and the branches and how they are to abide with, stay attached to God. And he tells them, then these things I have spoken to you, that you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Why would it be made full? Because it's in him. We find our joy and our peace in him, ladies. He is the one. He is the focus of it all. From beginning to end, from Romans 1 to Romans 3, from Genesis to Revelation, Jesus Christ is the focus. He's our gospel, he's our good news. He's our savior. He gives us power, his power. Let us praise him. Let us have our peace and rest in him. Before we go, I just want to read this blessing over you, over me. Lord, from 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, just listen. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Ladies, go in the power and praise and peace of our great God. Amen.